You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Our passage this week make me think of, of my working class Appalachian friends that have been forgotten by the establishment or, or marginalized by the elite class as just dumb mountain people. These forgotten people were particularly vulnerable to seeing in Trump a Messiah figure. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 327 and our title this week is A Different Kind of Messiah. In Luke, Jesus is asked when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answers, this is Luke 17, 20 through 37, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. And remember that you there is plural as a community. Then he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go. Do not set off in pursuit. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is warning his society about certain paths towards liberation, uh, given the violent retribution that Rome responded to uprisings with. And I believe that Jesus taught liberation, but what What is clear is that he's balancing the desire uh, for liberation with the desire for survival, too. Womanist scholars introduced me to this tension between liberation and survival a few years back now for me, and I see it in Luke's version of the Jesus story. Jesus provides an alternative to liberation attempts that create devastation. And you can see this in verses 20 through 21. The kingdom is not coming with things that can be observed, nor would they say, uh, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Now, kingdom rhetoric, remember, is problematic for us today, given both its it's non-democratic, and it's patriarchal nature. And I've struggled over the years to find other language for the gospel's use of the term kingdom. And I, I know it had meaning for the original audience of the gospels, but what language might we use today? I like the language that I've heard Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas use of God's just future. God's just future is societal justice and distributive justice. It's a vision for a distributively just society and a way of orienting society after the golden rule. The proclamation of God's just future and the seeds for that future being present with us right now, that was Jesus's gospel. It is the centerpiece of each synoptic gospel uh, Jesus story, whether it be Mark, Matthew, or Luke, but it is especially in Luke's gospel, pervading 
each step through Luke's version of the Jesus story is this announcement of the kingdom or God's just future. Look at it in Luke 8, verse 1. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. In Luke 9, 2, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. In Luke 8, uh, 10, 8 through 9, whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. In our original passage, the disciples are challenging Jesus as a prophet to present his revolutionary vision, to explain what his vision of a liberated society is. And in response, Luke's Jesus contrasts his approach with other liberation theories that were current at the time that Luke's gospel was written and he issued uh, Jesus in this issues a warning. Now, I've written on the problems of privatizing and individualizing Jesus's response to the disciples before his phrase, uh, the kingdom of God is within you. I'll put a link to that article in this week's e-site. But Jesus's words, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. That phrase had a social context. The first century historian Josephus gives us a window into Jesus's words, look, here it is, or, or there it is. Josephus writes around 50 AD, when revolutionary prophets led large groups of people into the desert under the pretense that once there, God would show them signs of, of approaching freedom. And during these incidences, the Roman procurator Felix, he viewed this as the first stage of revolt and he sent a cavalry and heavy infantry to cut the group into pieces. You can read about this one occurrence uh, from Josephus's The Jewish War, page 147. I'll give you a reference in the, in the east side as well. But the most infamous of the revolutionary prophets who promised signs to be observed was a militaristic messiah referred to as the Egyptian. This one is mentioned also in Acts 21, 38, uh, where it says, then you are not the Egyptian who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness. Josephus describes the event as follows in uh, the Jewish uh, War, again, page 147. Arriving in the country, this man, a fraud, who, was a, who, who posed as a seer, collected about 30,000 dupes, led them round from the desert to the Mount of Olives, and from there was ready to force an entry into Jerusalem overwhelmed the Roman garrison and seized supreme power with his fellow raiders as bodyguard. In a, para, a parallel account of this event, Josephus includes the, the, the sign that this Egyptian had claimed would be shown to the people in the course of their liberatory uprising. A sign like Joshua's sign at the Battle of Jericho. At the Egyptian's command, it says the walls of Jerusalem would fall down so that his followers would enter and seize the city. But, but before any such sign could even be attempted, the Roman cavalry and infantry slayed and captured hundreds and, and put the rest to flight, including the militaristic Messiah himself. This That's from uh, Antiquities, page 170 through 172. These leaders 
they weren't lunatics. They were hopeful Messiah figures. They were action prophets who, who contemporary scholars now see as attempting to lead movements of Jewish peasants to exert human efforts that would be accompanied by divine acts of empowerment and deliverance. Their logic went something like this. Success is dependent on combining human effort with divine power. And if they wanted divine deliverance, they had to first present a violent human effort for Yahweh to bless, and then God would meet their efforts if they acted. And the rhetoric of these militaristic messiahs, it was steeped in the symbols of the Exodus and the conquest of Canaan. And today, this is called sign propaganda. When a contemporary politician uses symbols of the American Revolution to inspire a following, they're doing the same exact thing. A much darker example is when white supremacists wave the Confederate flag when they protest or, or rally. The militaristic messiahs of the mid-first century in Jerusalem, they used this technique of employing symbols from their own past to win over sectors of their populace that wanted liberation from Rome. And Josephus also describes another event where Romans massacred a thousand Jewish women and children obeying another Jewish militaristic Messiah prophet. The leader had told the people in Jerusalem that God had commanded them to receive the signs of deliverance in the temple. That's the Jewish war, page 360. And, and elsewhere, Josephus describes a Samaritan prophet who is a contemporary Messiah of Jesus in the time of Pontius Pilate. And this Samaritan's prophet, the sign that, that this prophet put forth was to lead the people up to the sacred Mount uh, Gerizim to find holy vessels there left by Moses. And instead, Pilate's troops attacked and overwhelmed the armed crowd at the foot of the mountain and slew them all. Jos that's from Josephus' Antiquities 85 through 87. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, Luke is emphatically rejecting these popular methods of leading masses of Jewish poor people to die when Roman soldiers retaliated. He warns specifically, they will say to you, lo there or lo here, do not go, do not follow. Follow them. Those who followed these would be messiahs, they would perish needlessly in horrific slaughters. Today, there is a breaking point once again. The most deeply impacted by the injustice inherent in our present system face injustice that is amplified and aggravated by the COVID 19 pandemic. Can Jesus' warnings offer us? anything as we work toward building the kind of world we want to live in. We often use the language at Renewed Heart Ministries of building a world that is safe, compassionate, inclusive, and a just home for everyone. I also like the language of Ashley Woodard Henderson. She's the co-director of the Highland Center in Tennessee. She used this sign-off on a Facebook post recently. I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site. But she wrote, Sweet dreams of revolutionary change, a world where everyone has what they need, and no harm exists for any of us. That's what we need right now, the kind of world 
that 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 I want to be building is a world that looks like that. That's the kind of world I want to live in, where everyone has what they need, not just to survive, but to thrive. And there's no systemic harm existing for anyone. All of this really comes home in the last part of Jesus's warning in our passage. Jesus warns the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you'll not see see it. Uh, following would-be Messiah figures uh, might have seemed right to them at the time, uh, but they would lead to death, not liberation. Think of texts like Proverbs 14, 12, or Proverbs 16, 25, when there's a way that seems right, but the end is destruction. The, the Son of Man reference here, I believe, points to the liberation work in the Hebrew apocalyptic writings of Daniel 7. And Daniel, the beast-like oppressive uh, power, world power, world empires, they're contrasted with the work of the humanizing Messiah, or the Son of Humanity, who makes real God's just future for the people. Luke's Jesus is here saying that following a, a common Messiah figure may, uh, in doing that, you may long for the fulfillment of the expectations around Daniel's son of man, but you will not see it. The end will not be as you hope. And again, it's easy for Luke's gospel, which was written after the occurrence of the events of 70 CE, to connect these dots for its audience. It would have been much harder for those caught up in the movement or the moment to, to, to foresee that outcome at the time. In our passage, Jesus states that the Son of Man, or the expectations of the liberation described in Daniel 7, it would appear in a more obvious manner, as lightning streaming across the sky from the east to the west. It would not be a conspiracy or a movement where only a, a select few perceive what is happening. It would be more noticeable, much more noticeable. During our stay home or safer at home executive orders here in West Virginia, I've been reading Gary Dorian's Social Democracy in the Making, Political and Religious Roots of European Socialism. And the part that most recently spoke to me was about how theologian Karl Barth, he forbade students from bringing politics into his lectures and classroom discussions during the rise of Nazism in Germany. He dangerously believed that doctrine could be separated from politics. He failed to understand that all theology is political, either in the side that it takes outspokenly or in the side that it takes in its silence. Barth, at a time when his voice could have done valuable good, he instead believed that Nazi ideology was too absurd to, to take seriously, and he respected Germans too much to believe that they would fall uh, for it. Uh, you can find that on page 259. Barth didn't take into account how desperate things had become for the German people in the wake of the Versailles Treaty. And desperate communities are far more dangerous than desperate individuals. And all of that... It struck me deeply, especially in the context of the passage we're looking at right now. Let me help connect it for you. 
It reminded me of my own feelings during the last U.S. election in 2016. I thought Trump was too absurd to be taken seriously. And and I mistakenly believed too much in many of my own Appalachian friends and neighbors thinking they wouldn't fall for Trump. Many in these hills who voted for Trump in 2016, again, they now find that his failures to respond adequately to this pandemic has finally pushed them over the line. They are also now saying that that he's dangerous. But at the same time, I know far too many whose opinion has not changed and who are planning to vote for him again. In Times Square in New York City, uh, recently, this was uh, in the news, a 56-foot billboard called the Trump Death Clock now hangs. It's the brainchild of Eugene Jarecki. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And it shows a very conservative estimate of the number of U.S. COVID-19 deaths that have resulted from the president and his team's failed response to the coronavirus outbreak. According to Dr. Fauci and, and leading epidemiologists, if, my, if mitigation guidelines had been put into effect just one week earlier on March 9th instead of March 16th, 60% of the U.S. COVID-19 deaths would have been prevented. During that time, <clears throat> Trump Fox News and other right-wing commentators like Rush Limbaugh, they were still downplaying the seriousness of the pandemic. This week, we just crested over 100,000 deaths here in the U.S. Uh, Jarecki has received criticism from his billboard, both from the left and the right. Criticism from the right, for obvious reasons, and from those on the left who believe that his numbers are much lower than they should be. But Jarecki has erected the, the Trump death clock on behalf of all those who've died because of failed leadership in a pandemic. It stands as a symbol, not only for accountability, but also for more responsible and responsive stewardship going forward. Our passage this week and this pandemic make me think of, of my working class Appalachian friends, my family, my neighbors, that have been forgotten by the establishment or, or marginalized by the elite class as just dumb mountain people. These forgotten people were particularly vulnerable to seeing in Trump a Messiah figure. But that vision has turned out to be lethal for all marginalized communities, even their own. In Luke 17, 20 through 37, remember it states, the days are coming. Well, you will long to see the days of the Son of Man. You will not see it. They will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go. Do not set off in pursuit. Heart group application this week. We at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please stay virtually connected and remember to practice physical distancing. When you do go out, please keep a six-foot distance between you and others, wear a mask, and continue to wash your hands to stop the spread of the virus. This is also a time, remember, where we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid found in the Gospels. Make sure others in your group have what they need. This is a time to, to work together and prioritize 
protecting those most vulnerable among us. How many ways can you take care of each other while we are physically apart as a group? So our application this week, number one, again, share something that spoke to you from this week's Eastside or this uh, podcast episode, uh, something that spoke to you, share that with your heart group. Number two, how is all theology political? Discuss this with your group. What is our political responsibility presently as followers of Jesus? And then number three, what is currently taking place in your own life right now? What can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for all? Discuss with your group and pick something from the discussion to do this upcoming week. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Right where you are, remember, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. Another world is possible if we collectively choose it. Stay well, stay safe. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 